Today's episode will feature RPA's very own Laura Small, Senior Vice President of People at RPA. Recently awarded with Think LA's Agency Leader of the Year Award, Laura will be diving into leadership learnings, key tenants for building company cultures, and lastly, how RPA has handled the pandemic and establishing remote work policies. Now, here's your host, RPA's VP of Audience Intelligence, Bill Irvine. Laura, thank you for thank you for joining us here. Um, I know we uh, we we had this teed up a couple months ago, and uh, you know don't want to dwell on the unfortunate accident you had, but glad to see that you're you're recovering nicely and and back in the swing of things here. Me too, Phil. I've been looking forward to this, and I'm really glad to be in conversation. So you know, to kind of start off, you know, one thing I'm always interested in is is how people like their path to get to the agency side. And, you know, as we we mentioned in the intro, you're the SVP of people here at RPA. But, uh, you know, curious if you could touch upon your your path, you know, experiences you had, differences being on the client side versus the agency side. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked me about that. It's something that I always talk about when I speak to student groups, because I like to reassure people that I don't know a single person whose path to career success has been a straight line. And especially in the agency world, I think that's um, even more true. So I was an English major in college. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I spent 18 months as a preschool teacher and realized I just didn't have the patience for it. So made the transition to corporate life. Originally as a materials buyer, I worked in book publishing, finally figured out that my path was HR. So I got my credential from UCLA. And as as you mentioned, I started out at DirecTV. Uh, At the time we had 1500 employees on the ground in El Segundo and we had 30% turnover every year. So the HR team was big and busy and it was an incredible introduction to the field of HR. Um, I started out supporting the recruiting team, did a few other things, including designing their onboarding as things went on, and um, just a great introduction to HR and how it functions within a a huge multinational organization. Um, Pivoted then to advertising and have been in the advertising space doing HR ever since. And I can't, can't really imagine doing this in any other environment. I love sort of the mix of creativity and linear thinking that it allows me to, to bring. Awesome. That's, um, yeah, I, uh, I actually worked at an agency supporting AT&T for a period of time. So I, I, I saw a little bit of that, that, that high turnover, um, oh, um yeah. firsthand there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I could tell just from knowing you in our conversations, the agency uh, culture, it definitely fits you. The fact that it's fast paced, you know, we're working with different clients, have different challenges constantly. You know, I, I, I could definitely see how you kind of landed here here at, at uh, RPA. You know, one thing, uh, you know, I believe it was five or six months ago, um, Think LA awarded you with the agency leader of the year award. And so, number one, congratulations. Um <laughs> Number two, um, you know, leadership is a huge interest of mine. In my past, I've been in some leadership development programs. I love to look at, you know, movies and profiles of successful leaders. Um, 
You know, is there anything you would kind of call out from some of your experiences that helped you to mold you into the leadership style that you have today? Just really, really curious about that. Yeah, I love that question. And like you, I'm I'm fascinated by different leadership approaches and the, the different kinds of leadership qualities that different types of people bring. About a year ago, I watched the documentary Inside Bill's Brain about Bill Gates. Um, you know, a good leader to some, perhaps a, a less uh, informed leader to others, but just fascinating to kind of hear how different people view the responsibility of leadership. And for me, I think um, I had some very negative experiences. I had some leaders that I didn't feel provided the support or the vision that I was looking for. And and that really shaped me is, um, and I know this is something that you um, embody in what I've seen is really just embracing the responsibility of providing that vision, providing that support to your people, regardless of where they're, they're showing up from. I mean, you have a lot of different people who work for you, a lot of different personalities. And to me, it's all about how do I meet this person where they are and how do I give them the support that they need to be successful? Got you. Got you. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm curious to get your take on, because you mentioned, you know, uh, myself and yourself, you have different, you know, lots of people reporting into you, different personalities, different work behaviors. Like, because I have, I have some horror stories in the past where I've tried to manage people the same way. Do you maybe have an experience or a point of view on how to kind of tailor your management style towards the different types of people that you're working with? Yeah, such a great question because it's not easy. And I think, you know, I always tell people you get promoted because you're good at what you do, not necessarily because you're a good leader. And then I think a lot of us are afraid to ask someone, well, what what makes a good leader? And so we sort of apply what works for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, I like a lot of communication. I like a lot of feedback. And um, I had an employee on my team not too long ago who that that didn't really work for her. She really only wanted to hear from me when something needed to happen. She wasn't really interested in having an ongoing rapport. And I took it really personally, which was was not the right reaction. I had forgotten what I'm constantly telling managers, which is, you know what? that's okay. That's what she needs. And we were able to have an open communication about that and, mm-hmm. and agree on a path. But um, yeah, I've definitely made the, the mistake of assuming that people like to be managed the way I like to be managed. Yeah. that no, It's funny you mentioned that because I, I'm a person that probably errs on the side of being probably too transparent. I just, you know, I like to learn. I like to understand a lot about people and I, I don't mind sharing, you know, a little bit of my personal life. And that's something that I've seen as well. Just some people are more are guarded just because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And I think we had this discussion in one of our, the sessions that you organized for the full RPA executives. Like, yeah, like how, what was your takeaway from that about how to approach people about, you know, where to, where to connect with them personally versus work, et cetera? No, I remember you bringing up that question. And I thought that was such a good one because I'm the same way. I I, I want to share how I'm feeling. I want you to tell me how you're feeling. Um, even just this morning, it was the first day back after the holiday. And I said to my team, you know, I love you all, but I'm not super happy to be in front of my computer. <laughs> and Several of them said, oh, I, you know, glad, later they said, oh, I'm, I'm glad you you honored that because I was feeling the same way. But there may have been some people on that call who thought like, wow, what a downer. Why did you say that? So I tend to be with you. I think more transparency is largely better. I think most people really respect and appreciate that in a leader. But I know for you, you've really been 
what I admire about you is that you are very observant and you're looking at what works for people. And I think that's the biggest leadership key is rather than just pushing out the communication, really paying attention to how it lands. Yeah, no, no, appreciate that. And, you know, kind of aligned with what you just said there. Another observation I've made about yourself, uh, Pete, you know, some of the other executives is the the ability to be confident with the decisive decision making. And because I've actually talked to some of my friends at other companies that have had, you know, um, you know, C-suite type positions and a, a lot of them point out, you know, it's just, you know, what's helped them get to where they are is just the comfort with making decisions. And I'm just curious your take on that, on the balance of being decisive, but also thoughtful to kind of, you know, show that you're thinking through the, the process before just coming off like you're making a quick decision. Yeah. Wow. Really important point. And it's something that I wrestle with myself. I was actually talking to our chief media officer, Jim Helberg, about this recently. Uh, you know him. Um, but just, you know, how do you gather enough information to make a decisive, to take a decisive position without seeming like you're, you know, waffling or being indecisive? And I think it's a very fine line. Um, we had to make a judgment call this morning about allowing people to come back into the office for badging. We've had a lot of employees start with us who don't have an employee ID yet. And I don't feel comfortable based on the COVID cases of having a bunch of people come through. So I said, no, maybe not the right decision. There were a lot of reasons to do it. But in my mind, um, knowing what the agency values and knowing that safety's at the top of that list, for me, it was easy. I was like, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's a great segue. You know, one thing that I wanted definitely to talk with you about was the company culture, how important that is. And, you know, this is RPA's Clear the Air podcast. So we definitely got to talk about how RPA is people first. So, uh, you know, shameless plug. Sorry, sorry to be honest. <laughs> but i um, curious to get your take of how what people first means to you and how RPA tries to realize that, that vision. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel so fortunate to have ended up at RPA as the people first positioning or manifesto was being developed, because as we always say, we've always worked this way, but we didn't really talk about ourselves in this context before. And when I look back at my career, it's those people first experiences that have shaped me and confirm for me that HR is the right field for me. And it's about a company having a point of view that focuses on employee well-being, um, positive and constructive client partnerships and vendor partnerships. So it's something that almost without realizing it, I think I was gravitating towards all these years. And just to see it in action here with people like Pete, with people like Vince and Bill, I can't even tell you the number of times I've had a conversation with them or brought forward a concern. And the first question is, well, how do you think people are feeling about that? Or mm -hmm. what do you think people are looking for from us in that regard? And just to have leaders who constantly have that top of mind and use that as a filter for decision making, um, it, it's pretty exciting as an HR professional and probably more rare than, than you and I would both wish. Yeah, that, that's, you know, I've I've worked at seven, eight companies by now. I've, I've lost count, but it, it it definitely does stand out uh, uh, being here. And I yeah, I just think it's just uh, 
it's such a shame we can't, you know, we're in this COVID situation right now. We can't, you know, be more face to face to, because these are people I just want to hang out with, you know, and, and as relationships here and whatnot. Yeah. I know. And I think one of the reasons that all of us get into advertising and marketing is because we enjoy that collaborative interaction. We enjoy bouncing ideas off of one another. And it's a real heartbreak to me because our culture is so special not to be able to share it more directly on a one-to-one basis. I was on our um, orientation call this afternoon and a bunch of great people, several of whom I recruited personally, that I probably won't get to meet in person for at least several months. Mm -hmm. And they just won't have the same experience of RPA that you and I did, being able to come in and walk the halls and be taken out to lunch their first day. And um, we talk a lot as leaders, and I know you're part of those conversations as well, is how do we replicate that in the virtual space? And is there a way to bring that more directly into the employee experience? Yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I wanted to dive into, you know, COVID, everything COVID related, you know, in a, in a second here. Um, I think, you know, another big topic of discussion has been around employee retention. And just to what you have said, it you know, not just, well, you know, number one in advertising, it just seems like it's it's tough for all agencies right now because there's just so much opportunities and it seems like there's limited supply right now of, of mm-hmm. people to fill positions. And then you add on this complexity of everybody's remote and, and that. And I guess, um, you know, curious, I think, I think, you know, most of the audience probably knows it's an issue, but what, you know, what tactics have you, you know, maybe tried to influence of people or what have you seen that's, that's resonated to help improve retention or, or prevent it with others or something? Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, I talk to my fellow advertising HR leaders all the time, all of whom are are wonderful and all of whom are are challenged by the same issue. And I think early on, we all kept thinking there must be a magic answer. And if we can all just figure it out, boom, we have our answer and we'll just go. And the the hard but important part is there is no easy answer. And the answer is leaders like you who connect, who are curious, who share, because that makes the difference between someone feeling like they have a place here and feeling like it's just any other job. I was I was chatting with an exiting employee recently and I said, you know, are, are you nervous to start your new position? He said, no, I'll still be in my living room. It'll just be a different laptop. And I thought, wow, that really speaks to this time of transience and um, just lack of connection. And I, I think, I hope that it's short lived, but I think we have to find ways as leaders to continue to build that bridge even after we all potentially come back into the same space. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's forever going to be a challenge. I um, do too. I, I uh, you know, one learning that I had with, uh, you know, somebody on my team that left is I, you know, I, I think, you know, a conversation I should have had earlier is is about his career goals and aspirations, because I think one thing that's happened with a couple of people is, the, the role they're in is maybe not aligned to their, you know, their ultimate goals. And we don't have those conversations to see, is there maybe an, an additional opportunity or another spot or team within the agency that that fits them, that suits their their goals. And so um, I'm sure that's happened to others, you know, here as well. But that was that was learning that I. I yeah, I, no, and I, I remember you and I talking about that at the time. And, and I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because I think you were bringing that person different kinds of opportunities and different ways to engage. And sometimes the employee doesn't know 
until they they get that new opportunity that that's what's next for them. But I agree with you. And I know in the media org, we're really trying to do that is to talk to people about is your next opportunity on another account, doing something different within the media sphere or doing something different entirely. And the benefit of a full service organization is we can offer those opportunities. And we we do, I think, to great success. So yeah, I'm with you. Those conversations are are important to have. Not every employee is going to be able to, to have that, but I think the fact that you're bringing it up is key. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, cool. So, you know, last kind of main area I wanted to touch on is the big elephant in the room, COVID and remote work. And yeah, I guess, you know, number one, uh, I, just from your perspective, and I, I should have mentioned this, you know, my, uh, my spouse actually works in HR for in hospitality. Yeah. So she's going through hell right now with COVID because of all of the paperwork required uh, for every positive case, you know, within your work environment. So it's, it's funny just, you know, seeing the decisions we've made and seeing what she's going through. But yeah, just curious to get your take about what have been the, the biggest challenges and RPA's approach to everything. Well, first of all, tell your partner, I am so sorry. And I can so relate. And if she ever wants to have a virtual cocktail and just commiserate, I'm right there because um, this is an unprecedented time for HR professionals. And I frequently read and I agree with the fact that we basically have assumed an entire additional job on top of our regular HR duties around the health and safety of not only the employee population, but in your partner's case, customers and guests and all of that. So yeah, it's not been an easy time. I think I say to people that if there is a silver lining to COVID, it's that it's brought us all to this comfort level with remote work and asynchronous work and being more open to different kinds of work solutions. That doesn't apply to your partner's profession, unfortunately. And that is really the front lines of the HR COVID sort of conflict. Um, but I think in, in the corporate space and the white, white collar space, we have been given a tremendous opportunity so while we celebrate that, how do we keep people safe? How do we make sure that their needs are being met? I don't know that we will ever fully reopen the RPA office in the way that it was before. With people coming and going and people wandering in off the street to drop off a resume, I just think it's a different world now. And sometimes I get very sort of lost in like, ah, oh, but look at all we've sacrificed and it's never gonna be the same. And I think mm -hmm. all we can really do is, is turn and say, okay, what are the benefits of this? What have we learned? What can we do better? Simple things like having a different setting on the air filtration in the building. <laughs> That's yeah. huge. And it keeps people healthy. And then what have we learned about how we work together and how we respect people's limits in terms of their time and making sure people don't burn out and exhaust themselves? I think it's all intertwined. So I'm choosing for 2022 to look at it as such an opportunity to get curious about the future of work. And for me, it's the future of RPA and what are we becoming and getting really excited about the opportunities that that holds rather than, you know, being wistful about maybe the things that we've lost. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good optimistic outlook. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And my, my team knows this, like I, I've always been completely on the side of you need in-person connections. I, 
you know, I'm a social butterfly. I, you know, I grew up <laughs> I love it. in a work environment where I, you know, I love going to networking events, meeting with people in person, but I'm even finding in myself just by the sheer volume of meetings that we have, it's a lot more efficient sometimes when you are remote, you know, not having to go from room to room. Totally uh, agree. And think about like conferences where we would have to be super selective and like, okay, you know, only Phil can go to this conference because he's got to get on a plane and he's got to miss three days of work. And now we can get you and and M and, you know, five other members of your team, a, a conference link. And uh, granted, may not be the exact same experience, like you said, with networking, but maybe yep. there is some sort of silver lining there in terms of your time spent and the, the learnings that you can gather and all that. Yeah. Do you, you know, is is RPA's stance, you know, most likely going to be until the, the, I believe it's either the state or the county lifts the mass mandate that, you know, we won't be in office. Is that, is that, or is that, is that still kind of, the, the, you know, in question right now? Or? Yeah, that's a great question because for a long time that was our position, but the conversation that I and some other leaders have been having with Pete is that can't necessarily be our take because we don't know when that will be. So mm-hmm. we really need to have conversations with people like yourself around what works for you, how do you feel safest? If you need to gather with your team, what does that look like in a way that protects people's health and still allows for that cross-pollination and collaboration? So I think we all as leaders want it to be clear. We want it to be yes or no, January 17th. And it's just not going to be that. We had had such high hopes, as you know, for reopening the Tuesday after MLK Day. And I had that circled in red on my calendar. That is completely off the table, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other things that we can potentially afford down the road. So Mm -hmm. the frustrating part is it's not going to be an on-off switch. It might not even be the dimmer switch (laughs) that Gavin (laughs) Newsom talks about. I think it's going to be a case-by-case basis. So it's messy, but ultimately I think it works better for everyone. Got you. Got you. Yeah. it's um, And not to get into uh, politics here or anything, but I know – there's a lot of debate right now of the severity of this latest variant. And, you know, there's some doctors out there that are saying because each variant is less and less kind of fatal, like hopefully uh, maybe middle of this year, it just won't be, you know, as deadly. And so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious if those types of if that type of data is being introduced into the decision making here because there there are other states too where they're just saying you know just <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna rip the band-aid off and, and just absolutely like, like, yeah. and and that's a legitimate argument and as you know we have several offices in other states where that is business as usual and mask wearing is optional at best so i think we our owners feel very strongly about doing what is safest for the population. So that's why we're saying if you're in the office, wear a mask, stay home if you need to. But at a certain point in time, I was reading an interesting article over the weekend in The Atlantic. It talked about the switch of COVID from pandemic to endemic Mm. and the idea that we will come to a time when we are comfortable with the level of risk just the way we are with the common cold or the flu or whatever the case may be. So I very much am factoring that into my decision or my my thought process. Um, I'm hoping by the end of January, we'll start to see Omicron start to level up. And then to me, that could signal some opportunity for a little more opening up. But we'll see. Yeah, no, I, it's it's funny. I've been looking for some some research about that, like when we can get to a point to feel comfortable to say it is just as 
just the flu were less severe. Because yeah. um, yeah. I'm, you know, working with data, I'm just curious, like, what are going to be the data points or the metrics that we, because it seems like the goalpost kind of keeps moving by the That's way. That's my sense the as well. Happens, Again, like you said, the political environment, sort of depending on who you talk to or what their political affiliation might be. I think I feel like the one thing we can all agree on is that we do want to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And it's just whether you're on the more cautious or less cautious end of that spectrum. It's kind of how I look at it. Look at it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, uh, well, hey, uh, yeah, Laura, this has been this has been fantastic. Awesome. I think um, I'm glad we got to do this. I know we wanted to do this like three months ago or so. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, any um, you know, we like to end these with guests to, to kind of uh, give an example of something that looks good. You know, we've had some marketing leaders, ad tech leaders. Um, I guess, you know, it, it from your perspective, if you think about either culture or, you know, the right work environment, like what do you think good to great is going to look like in the middle of the year for, for RPA? I love that question. And I want to think about it a lot more, but off the top, <laughs> I would say it looks like people having the freedom and flexibility to design their work experience. We've seen that people can be effective and autonomous um, and we are having the most productive interval of our history as an organization. So to me, sort of the, the, the next big thing, the next big success is just continuing to live that and celebrate that and um, making everybody feel like they not only have permission, but they're empowered to get the work done in the way that works for them. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I really think we will be there. I absolutely feel that that is a reality. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to to end this. And uh, I know we spent a lot of time on COVID, which is a, a not the most uplifting topic, but <laughs> glad we glad we ended on on an optimistic note here. Though. Me too. And there's so much to be optimistic about for this year and beyond for advertising. So um, I think we're in a really good place. Definitely, definitely. Well, well, thanks again, and don't be surprised if we ask you to come back uh, later on in the year. My <laughs> pleasure. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Phil. Awesome. Thank you. Make sure to favorite and subscribe to Clear the Air on your favorite podcast network. For more information about RPA, visit us at rpa.com or follow us on Instagram at rpa underscore advertising. 